Welcome to another episode of Makers Weekly. On this episode, we sit down with my good friend and YouTube celebrity, Dennis Rohde. With millions of subscribers across multiple channels, he is the content king. And he talks about what it takes to get going in the content game. And it's just to start and relentlessly push content and iterate until something hits. We talk about launching products on Shopify, managing aggressive content schedules, measuring conversion, and so much more. So without further ado, let's welcome my good friend, Dennis Rohde. Not a lot of people really know what it means or how to get into this YouTube celebrity uh, life. So it'd be great if you could just give us a little bit of a backdrop into how you got into the whole YouTube game and, and what steps you took to, to get there. Yo, man. So uh, the the first step you have to take in any kind of social media, um, influencing videos, uh, podcasting, as you're doing right now, is just start. You have to start. That's the first thing you got to do. So we started in what 2000? I don't know, 11 or 12. It was just ripe YouTube. We were doing things on online that nobody else was doing. The pranks that we were doing uh, were very simple, very common pranks that we would pull, but nobody did it in video format, you know? They did it with friends, or popular stories you could have as ideas or suggestions, but we just took it to video, and we were uploading those, and it just took right off. Uh, we were the first ones to do it the way we did it, so it's all about timing. And you're never going to get that right timing unless you start. And before we started doing the YouTube pranks, we were doing YouTube sketches for a solid year and a half. And we got nowhere with it. We had like 46,000 subscribers out of it. We're probably averaging, I don't know, 3,000 views a video. Um, and then once we started doing the pranks, it just blew up, you know? And then we would like upload a sketch after a prank and all the new audience, all the new attention that we received from those prank videos, they'd watch this sketch and like, what is this? This is terrible. <laughs> Never upload again this porn star acting crap or I'm unsubscribing. You know? <laughs> yeah, man. And, uh, yeah. And so then we were like, okay, you know, look at the analytics, look at the comments. Yeah, I, obviously, it wasn't very difficult to decide that we probably shouldn't keep up with the sketches and let's just focus more on the pranks because this is what's working. And, uh, and that's how we just kind of focused on that. So we went there from there. But before YouTube, I was doing um, 10 years in the Army, you know, and I got my degree at college for Bachelor of Science for uh, Internet Marketing, you know, so that kind of like lined up real well. And then I was doing commercials, you know, and I was landing one commercial a month gets you about, I don't know, 1600 bucks, 500 bucks, you know, 2200 bucks for just for one or two days. So that's pretty good. Nice. And, um, but the commercials, I just hated them because I feel like a puppet, you know? Yeah. And so that's where I migrated over to, um, stand up comedy and sketch comedy because even though I wasn't getting paid, I thought it would be like a resume, something I could send a reel, a fire reel to auditions. Never did I think that YouTube would be like, is the key to the gate, you know? That's amazing. So, so did you always know that you wanted to be in front of the camera or be on stage or like be a personality? I feel like, you know, that, that, that can be very draining mentally to always have to be like turned on. But did you, did that come natural to you? Did you always know you wanted to do that? I know it's pretty popular. Everybody, like, you know, everybody, a lot of people kind of like the idea of Hollywood movies, shows, sitcoms, you know, 
especially when you don't know anything about it. Just You just see it, and you're like, wow, that looks like fun. And once you kind of dive into it, you may realize, like, man, maybe this isn't so much for me. Uh, however, I do enjoy very much being in front of the camera and entertaining performance. I love it. Um, but I kind of grew, and that's how I learned about editing. You know, I learned about – I was watching my buddy Roman Atwood edit videos over his shoulder on uh, Final Cut 7. And I just like observed and watched and learned that way. And then I just started editing myself. And the next thing I know, I, I kind of like editing. You know, mm-hmm. using Final Cut, you know, growing up through that. Now you have Adobe Premiere. A lot of people are using that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. I never really, like I kind of like more editing than being in front of the camera more so now. And just coming up with great content and being behind awesome projects that do well. So I have a lot of projects that I'm behind that, like videos that I'm not in. But I'm a part of the production, which is a lot of fun, and it gets a lot of views. And so then people call on you to like help them out with other productions because you guys do a good job, you know? Yeah, man, that's that's amazing. So, all right, so you started out um, doing some sketch comedy, some sketch comedy online, and it wasn't getting the greatest traction. Then you pivoted into these pranks. Like, what were some of the what were some of the craziest pranks or like the ones that like really spiked as it relates to traffic? Like, are there any that stick out like the, your big hits that really got you jump started? Yeah, man. The very first, our very first prank or second prank ended up being viral and going on Tosh point while Tosh wanted it. Tosh point back in the day. And, uh, but that's when we learned about, you know, release permission and the people that were in the video, um, didn't like the fact that they were in the video. We didn't get the permission to put them in the video. <laughs> what was the prank? So we put a purse on a string on the street by a stop sign. So when someone's driving in a neighborhood, they see the purse. If they want to go for it, they're probably going to like see whose it is and call it in, right? Yeah. Uh, open the car door and actually get out of the car. We thought that was kind of funny to make them get out of the car. And then when they bend down to pick the purse up, I'm hiding in a bush with a fishing line on the other side of that purse, and I yank the purse out right before they pick it up. And uh, we had this lady stop on a Sunday. It's church. You know, I don't know who's – I can't see anybody. All I see is the purse and car tires, so I have no idea who I'm pulling on, right? And once I see a hand break my field of vision, that's when I pull. So I yank the purse. The lady jumps and screams. She gets back in the car, drives away. Few minutes later, I don't know the same car pulls up, but this time they park their car tires like right on the fishing line a little bit, or they block not the fishing line, but like in front of the purse. So when I pull the purse, it gets caught behind the car tire. So the fishing line breaks. I bust out the bushes. I run up, say, "Hey, good reaction. We're filming the video, haha!" And she was so mad, man. And her son got out of the back of the van pulled his shirt off. He looked like he had like a prison body. Like he's just like a boxer or something, just big and swole getting up in my face, ready to fight me. Um, I talked him out of it or whatever. We left, let them keep the purse. Don't care. And, uh, we upload the video and their reaction is, was gold. Oh man. So Especially like at that time online, you know? So like how many, like by viral, what do you mean? Like how many views uh-huh. or what, 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 like, uh, what mean? What so, does viral mean? It was probably like 2012, and we got a million views the first like few hours. Wow. Yeah, and we were just like we never had that happen before, and we were just really excited. And Tosh Point was calling, um, but then at the same time they 
we didn't blur their face out. So they figured a way to like find us and reach out to us and YouTube and get the video taken down. And then we re-uploaded the video with blurred faces. But once you upload content like that without permission and you blur their face the second time, it doesn't matter because that video is still out there. So you can still identify who they are. Yep. Um, and so they still took it down. So, you know, that sucked. And then Tosh.0 offered them, I think, like a thousand bucks or something. And they said no. The lady was a doctor in Columbus, Ohio. And she, she did not look very well. <laughs> That's wild. All right. So, yeah. so and, and how long had you been doing the, the like non successful sketch stuff before that? Oh, solid year and a half, straight up one year and a half. And like, how many videos would you be uploading? Uh, we for uploaded that? every single Tuesday. We filmed every single weekend. Um, there was, I think at the time, there was like five or six of us working together. Um, Roman and I were pretty much the main dudes setting it all up. And then the other guys would show up and like, play their parts and come up with ideas and stuff like that. So, so I guess uh, the, the theme there or some of the lessons learned that we can, we can kind of abstract from that is you spent a full year and a half, um, of continuously creating and uploading and making content. And, you know, you're iterating and trying to find something that's stuck, but it took you guys, you know, a year and a half of, of hard work before you finally came into a niche that the market was, you know, that was the market loved. Yeah. Remember the guy in Columbus, uh, Ohio, he was the man with the golden voice, a homeless guy. He was flying signs and he, um, had a radio voice and then Dr. Phil picked him up, I guess. And they had him on a show and then got him on like today show or something and took this homeless guy that was on the streets with an amazing voice and like gave him another, you know, whatever, like another shot at, at being successful. Yeah. Remember that? Uh, yeah. I, I don't, but, but. I'm sure so that's what happened. Will. They called him the man with the golden voice or whatever. And that was our first like successful video. Cause we, uh, I was like, Hey, let's do a parody of that. And we went out there and did that parody where like I dressed up like the guy and went out there and, and I was the man with the golden porno voice. <laughs> and we were like flying a sign and doing all that stuff. And that was, that video got like 16,000 views at the time. We were just so excited about that. You know, that's um, amazing. Yeah. It's all fun. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, so I guess the, you know, the learnings there is just keep producing content, keep iterating and just keep, keep getting feedback, uh, from the, from the market to see what sticks. That's true. That's, that's a good way to like, um, find your footing, right? Especially when you get some momentum, um, you know, you, you're going to take a lot of shots at things or you're going to take a lot of, uh, iterations at your projects and everything. But once you hit that momentum, that's when you find your found your lane and you want to focus on that, right? Kind of like double down, triple down on that momentum. Uh, and one piece of that is collaboration. Like collaboration, especially you know, back then, it was so critical in your success. And the best way you could find collaboration with channels that are bigger or more successful than yours or your projects um, is by uploading really fun, successful content. And we were doing that on a regular, um, and that opened up doors to other creators who reached out to us to collaborate. And without those collaborations, we would have never reached the levels and um, accessed all those lanes, you know, to so many different um, audience and eyeballs. Yeah. Um, the demographic just like exploded with collaboration, right? Because then you're collaborating with larger channels with bigger viewership. 
and they're featuring you on their on their channel. So that was a a massive piece, you know, to uh, the formula is collaborating, uh, and then through those collaborations, that opens you up to bigger numbers, uh, more attention, and then you're going to have the brands reaching out to uh, do brand deals. You're going to have um, management companies reaching out to manage your channel and your work. Um, and then the best part about it is it gives you the opportunity to open up your own merch, your own um, brand, right? Yep. And start working on that. Like we were driving back from Philadelphia with Roman and I were driving back from uh, Jesse Wellen's house. At the time they were prank versus prank and boyfriend versus girlfriend. Um, Jen Smith and Jesse Wellens were driving back from there and and uh, Roman was coming up with Smile More, and uh, and so we were like creating the Smile More logo in the ca- in, in the car on the way back. And then when he got home, he ran with it. You know, he ran with it. He started it. He ran with it. And he's just uploading these vlogs every single day, um, pushing Smile More. And at the time, I think he was only getting like twenty thousand views a video, and then it grew to forty thousand views a video. Um, and then he was like, you know, selling a couple smile more shirts here and there and then started making more and more. And that kind of like created my thing for how to prank. Yeah. Let's um, talk about, so let's, so you, you hit this big hit, um, you know, 2012, 13, 14, and let's fast forward a few years, um, you know, to now and what you, what you've been up to. I know you're, you've recently, uh, launched a new uh, line of prank videos. I know you've got some merch that you've recently launched. Let's talk a little bit about what you're up to um, as of recent. Man, I tell you what, I love Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is my is my jam because I have a website called prankkits.com and uh, you know I feature that in my videos and the conversion rate. Um, you know, these kids, these people are watching my videos and they want to do the same pranks to their friends and family. They want to prank it up. So they'll shoot over to my prankkits.com and pick up prank gear and, you know, not a whole lot. It's not a huge market. So that my main competitor is Amazon, but, um, you know, it's not really difficult to compete with them. And I can see real-time analytics through my videos and through Shopify. I mean, very detailed analytics from where it's coming from to where I know a better time to upload my videos I know the best time. Like I know what videos are going to work. That's going to push to my prank kit store, you know. Yeah. And I can tie in uh, collaborations and, and tie in some brand deals or whatever to help with my prank kits. And then I can tie in Google Analytics. So let's frame that a little bit. So you you're now going out and you're creating these because um, you have a YouTube channel with I don't know some five million uh, subscribers or something, and you're going out and creating these pranks and you're using. Uh, the stuff that you sell. So you're using your merch, these prank kits to execute these pranks essentially. Yeah. Great. And then they, so then people check out the videos and then they click yeah, through man. to your Shopify site and they can buy the kits themselves. Yeah. They go to Shopify, buy the kits themselves. Shopify makes it so good. It's like a plug for Shopify, but I'm telling you, it's the best. Like they give me so many tools where I can easily fulfill my shopping, my, uh, my orders Yep. Um, from home. Right. And if it gets really big and crazy, that's a great problem to have, and it's a very easy solution. You just hire somebody to come in and help you, you know, especially during, like, uh, seasons where it's going to be, like, more popular, like April Fool's, Christmas, and all that stuff. And then um, and then at the same time, you know, the app store is a wonderful tool, too. I have a prank app called Dude Your Car, mm-hmm. and I did a, 
a video on that. I sold like over about almost 300,000 downloads on that thing. Wow. And, um, from one video. From one video, uh, you know, two videos, and then we ran some ads on Facebook. But but the majority, it'll tell you where the traffic's coming from, and like eighty nine percent of it's coming from YouTube from that video. That vi- I mean, it helped with that video got like five million views. You know. Yeah. So what uh, what kind of conversion rates are you seeing on the Shopify site from the click through? Do you, do you have uh, those on hand? Yeah, yeah. It's a three percent. No, I have. 1.8% conversion right now. I just started in January 1st, 2019. Wow. I started up pushing the uh, prankkits.com. Um, I mean, almost 2% conversion is, is yeah, awesome. Really, is, is awesome. Really, good. really good. It started out uh, January 1. Uh, my conversion was 0.7, right? And then like the second or third week into January, I'm, I'm messing around with my settings and some of the suggestions that Shopify gives you. Okay. Um, and so I start toying with that. And, you know, it's wonderful because you can see these, the, the results instantly, it feels like. Um, and then my conversion went up to from 0.7 to 0.9. And they're telling me my, you know, the average is like 1% to 3%. So I'm still under average because I'm under 1%. So I go in there and I make some more adjustments t- uh, based off the recommendations that Shopify will give you to better perform, you know, optimize your channel. The better your channel does, I mean, the better your, your site does, the better Shopify does. Yeah. So that's trying to encourage you to do well with some suggestions. Um, and now I'm up uh, 1.8 last I checked. And then, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think it's 1.8. And then my, and then I'll also tell you of the 1.8% that showed up, I had 44% put their shipping information into um, the, the order and then they never complete the checkout. So I'm trying to work on that, you know, and then um, to improve that. And then um, sometimes you can put something in there and it'll actually make it worse. So then you got to like go back to what you were doing before. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, so it's pretty cool. You know, that's great. Frank, I, I, I highly recommend that you can't really rely on YouTube, Facebook, um, Instagram, those are the three most popular uh, to be your, your, you don't want that to be your bread and butter, you know, mm-hmm. um, you need to have something that you control yourself. So if there's any kind of apocalypse, if there's any kind of scandal that's going on, some issues that are happening that cause, uh, these sites to have to make adjustments, um, to their algorithms, and it may impact your channel. It may impact you. Like, it's, it's what happened to me. So having um, a backup that I control uh, has been has been a savior. Got you know? it. So diversify your revenue streams. So God, can't rely on those platforms. Even Amazon. I have a buddy that sells on Amazon. Um, he makes three hundred thousand dollars a year selling products on Amazon. He's an Amazon bestseller. Um, but he also has a website that he tries to push the same push traffic to his website. He sells the same stuff on there because sometimes Amazon's make changes and it's unreliable. And you know, you're Amazon bestseller, but then all of a sudden you're not, but then then you're back on top again, you know? Yeah. What's uh you mentioned um Instagram, Facebook, some of these other social platforms outside of YouTube. 
let's talk a little bit about how you manage your content schedule or just like how you think about producing content. Cause I see, I see you creating content all the time, right? So you have your videos, but you're also producing stuff on Instagram. How do you think about that? Is it, is that something you, you schedule out? Is it more just when you get inspiration, you fire it up? Like how, how, how what's your uh, cadence like? The best way to do it is just prepare and plan. And you can't do it all because it looks easy on the outside, but you have to understand like those are different platforms, those are different video formats, those are different styles of editing, those are different um, um, ways you want to upload your video with keywords and different things like that. Everything's different on each platform. So I have a partner that I ha- hired to help me um, with video con- editing. And um, so like we will go through the videos of the week that we want to edit. Um, some of them are old videos that I've filmed or old videos that I've licensed or old videos that I, you know, I own. And some of them are new videos that I've recently filmed and we'll go through and we'll edit those videos for Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube all within a couple days. And then you schedule those, you upload those videos, you put them in the schedule. I want this to go up on this day, this day, this day, this day, this day. And then you're done. So you got two or three days of work into like, you know, one week. So you can, you you kind of produce all the content together and then you repurpose it and schedule it across the different platforms. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a buddy right now. He's filming three months worth of videos, right? A hard 90 day grind. Okay. And that's going to give him one year's worth of content. That way he doesn't have to worry about what he's going to film or do. He can focus on the next thing he wants to work on and grow. Um, and that channel that he already has, um, you know, this guy's got a hundred and what, maybe less than 150,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's got maybe 250 members on YouTube supporting him, paying $4.99 a month as a membership fee, right? So they don't have to pay ads and they get a few perks for being a member on his channel. He does live streams once a week and each live stream gives him 400 bucks in like donation money, basically, that, that people are paying, right? And then he has a website that he does drop shipping. Right for his 150,000 subscriber channel, less than 150k, um, and his dropshipping site gets about 4,800 bucks a month um, total. So like you know, probably divide it by two because it's dropshipping. But still, this guy is like 26, 27 years old, just graduated from NKU, you know, with a is a e-media specialist. Um, he's been doing YouTube for just just two years now, yeah. just over two years, and he's already making almost uh, you know 80k a year. Um, just uploading videos from his house. So, so it sounds like, I mean, I think there's this myth that these content creators are just like running around firing up their camera and just capturing what's around them. But, you know, I think behind the scenes, as you've kind of uncovered, there's a ton of work that goes into this stuff. I mean, you gotta, you gotta know your, you gotta know your stuff. You gotta know your tools. There's a level of professionalism and planning required to really pull it off. Um, I mean, and you've been going at it now for you know, for almost 10 years. Um, it used to be, it used to be that way. It used to be where you can just pick up a camera and fire it out there and go like, I had, I know one guy, crazy Russian hacker. That, that's his, his that's his name by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. His name is Taras. His channel name is crazy Russian hacker. Yeah. And then, um, he also has another channel called Taras cool and another channel called Taras cool farm. And he literally is picking up the camera and pointing and shooting and editing and uploading. It's very simple, but he's been doing that since like 2011, 12, and he hasn't stopped. Mm. He's got like almost 3,000, 4,000 videos between all of his channels. 
So, and he's very consistent. And consistency is pretty much like king on YouTube, right? He's consistent, ad friendly. He's consistent, clean. He's consistent. Is the consistency is that is it is it good and king because you say king because it it plays well into the algorithms of YouTube? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 um a lot of his work is like science experiments and survival gear and kitchen appliances, life hacks, all that stuff, right? Um, a lot of that stuff is very ad friendly. There's a lot of advertisements going out about that stuff. So he's continuing to upload two videos a day, three videos a day about very simple things. And so now Google can serve those ads, right? About different things to his videos. And then they'll keep recommending his videos. And not to mention, he's got a hilarious accent. He's very funny. Nice. He'll be calling like a kiwi and avocado. Dude, accents, accents always just, help, man. <laughs> yeah, accent helps big time. So like he's really funny. Um, but but that's what I'm saying. Like it can be really simple. You yeah. know? You can have something really simple and grow it as long as it, that's all you do. That's all you care about. You just do it, do it, do it, do it. Since 2011, 12, he's been doing it, you know? It hasn't stopped, you know? does never stop. It still hasn't stopped. And uh now he's doing videos where he's pointing at his dog eating a, a, a watermelon, yeah. you know, and the video will only get like 80,000 views or 60,000 views, but you know, but then he's putting up another one the next day, another one the next day, another one the next day of his bird or his iguana or his dog or his chickens, you know, and it's real simple. And people just eat it up. And it works. It works. They, they eat, eat it up. up. They're content, you so know? let's, um, so it's speaking of like consistently coming up with content to publish. I mean, you, you're constantly coming up with new pranks and new ideas. And, you know, I imagine that's a whole creative process in itself. Where do you go to find inspiration for these, for your pranks? Or like, where do you go to find inspiration for this content that you're going to create and share with millions of people? I think any kind of content you're going to go out and create, let alone besides it just being focused on a prank video or comedy you have to be outside of your house and off the couch and around um, the elements of what you want to create, right? So a lot of times when you have a movie being created, you're going to have uh, the writers or the team of comedy writers, they're all going to go get a house somewhere and they're, and they're all going to room together and live in that house for a month. Or they're all going to um, you know, go into the war room Monday through Friday uh, from 9 to 5. They're all going to meet this spot, and we're all going to hang out, and we're just going to bang out as many ideas as possible. So our movie we did for called Natural Born Pranksters, uh, produced by Lionsgate Films, um, it's on Netflix right now. We did that where we um, just kind of went in the war room, and then we would bring in a new writer, a comedy writer, every week. Um, we would bring in somebody new and somebody new and somebody new to kind of like spit our spitball our ideas with them, and then have them kind of maybe take our idea to another level, you know, but but to come up with content, man, you got to be like, you know, at least in my experience, I come up with the best content when I'm out filming, I come up with an idea, Ooh, write that down. Or when I'm out with my friends or when I'm out, you know, exploring the world and we're having fun and we're doing things, you, you always got your mind in this space and then you come across a situation or a scenario that would be a good video or oh, that would be a good idea. That's a good idea for Instagram or Facebook or YouTube or my prank kit store or my app. Oh, ooh, ooh, you know, and, but like sitting at home and going, I need to come up with an idea right now and like put all this pressure, at least for me, 
and like some other people I know, that's not the best way to come up with your ideas. You know, so you got to. It's almost like a part of your lifestyle. It's a part of your your worldview. You know, as you're out yeah. running around, you're like on all, playing offense all the time, just like thinking yeah. of new concepts. I mean, there's a rumor around that Dave Chappelle, he would come up with an idea, he wrote it down on a piece of paper or a napkin, and he would put it in a fish tank, right? And then every once in a while, he'll go to his fish tank, right, of ideas, a bowl of ideas, and he'll dig around and he'll pull it out. And he'll look at whatever he wrote a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, and he tries to make a bit out of that, right? So he sees if it's still funny, see if it's something that can still work, you know what I mean? So it's like... If you're coming up with, like, sometimes at night when you're laying in bed, you know, you come up with this great idea, you know, get up and write it down or text it to yourself or do something because you will not remember it the next day. Put it in the same spot where you have all your other ideas. Don't, don't scatter it around. Don't try and make your, you know, a lot of creative people maybe not the most organized. At least I know I'm not. And I could have massive improvements in my organization. I think you may know that from working with me a few times. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but when it comes to my ideas, I have to put everything in the same spot, you know. Yeah. Uh, because that way, I don't lose it because I've lost a lot of ideas to the to to just not writing it down, or to putting it down somewhere that was in the, and losing it, you know. Which is wild because for you, like a lot of people are like, man, I like had this great idea and I lost it. But normally that wouldn't mean anything. But for you, it's yeah. like ideas are gold. Like you actually yeah. go put that out in front of millions of people and it turns into revenue for you. Um, so that's just like a whole new way to think about it. Uh, yeah, man. Another thing, another caveat off that though is, is the people you surround yourself with. You, know, you have a lot of people that can drain you. And suck your idea. I like to think of it as a sponge. You got to be careful with your ideas, man, because sometimes, like, you have people out there that uh, I feel like would just squeeze in your sponge, you know, and filling their bucket up with with the sponge. And, and once you got no juice in there, because they keep squeezing, 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 not getting anything back, you know, you can get that uh, creator burnout, or you can just kind of like feel like you're exhausted, you know? Yeah, dude, that mental fatigue. It's real. Yeah, mental fatigue. It's real and it's challenging, especially like, you know, if you're doing like a creative thing and, and, and it's your, it's your, like your brand. Um, so, so protecting your ideas and, and, and uh, not being so free willing to just give them all away, you know, at, at least in my experience, you know, if I were to go back and do things over, I would say my recommendation for people coming up, I guess, would be, you know, if you're going to start something with somebody, make sure you got it in writing. Make sure you just go through all the you know difficult agreements up front and stuff like that first. That way, if you do blow up, you don't have to worry about um, you know going through that then. You know. Yeah, especially in a world where like your business is just publishing content for the world to take over. It's like, yeah, you know, a vi- when a video goes viral, you essentially lose control over that content. It is out there very much a living, breathing thing that, that now the, it has the power of the internet behind it. Um, yeah. And it's very hard to trace back like who thought of what or, you know, what happened behind the scenes. That, apply- that applies to, uh, that also applies to apps, you know, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that. I mean, if it's a creation process, and, and, you know, and you're in there with somebody and, and you're like, yeah, this is our channel or this is our stuff and this is ours and this and that. Okay, cool. Then make sure that stuff is legit, is legitimately yours, not just off of like a handshake because, because then one day you're going to come into your, you know, you're going to get a phone call. Oh, sorry, we can't talk to you about that. 
or you're going to try to log in and that password's changed. And then you're going to be, well, that's, that's mine. And then, the, you know, the other person's like, no, this is mine. You know, we're changing things up. Yeah, man. I feel like I could do a whole episode on, on that. Um, you know, your line of work is very much a hustle. You're waking up every day, going out and trying to come up with new creative concepts and new ideas that, that people like to consume. Where do you go for this, your day to day motivation? Like what, what, what gets you up every morning to go? Cause you got to look at the world yeah. in a funny and in a, in a in yeah. a very positive light and you got to recreate that in this content that you're doing, you know, where do you go to, where do you draw inspiration from? All right. Here's the best, here's the best advice I got for you, right? That you draw your inspiration and creativity from silence. Okay. Whoa. What I mean by that is when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is not pick up your phone. I feel like it's like a gravity black hole of ideas losing. Like once you're holding that phone and you're getting to that rhythm of a routine of scrolling up, scrolling up with your finger, going through Facebook or Instagram, right? Or Twitter, you're, 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 you're lost. You're done. It's over. You know, like you, number one, you don't want to like get a bunch of ideas that somebody else already did. I mean, you can, you can have a spinoff of it and maybe something cool, but you're probably going to see that eventually anyways. But, but for your audience or your brand or, or something that you're really focusing on and trying to be original is not relying on anything. Go for a run. Go for a walk. Go to the gym. You know, Don't watch any TV. Don't turn the radio on. Just try to like listen to yourself and absorb the information that you were receiving over the past 24 hours or the past week. Let that stuff have time to resonate in your brain. Let those ideas have time to you know, flourish. Right. As soon as you go into your phone in the morning, brain dead. Mm. You know, I, that's how I feel like. That's amazing. So that's the best advice I have for anybody. It's uh, coming up with apps or coming up with ideas for content it is not be looking for it on the phone 24 hours a day. Yeah. You know what I, mean? I think that's yeah. a, uh, I think it's some words of wisdom right there. I think it's a great note to kind of end on, but before we do, um, tell everybody where they can find you online. You know, what's your YouTube okay. channel? What are your handles? What's, where can they find you? Uh, man, you, my main YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash how to prank it up. And, uh, my website's prankkits.com and my app on the app store is uh, dude, your car, prank your friends and family, prank it up. It's a really fun, easy app you can use on your phone to prank your friends and family. All right. That's with my man, Dennis Rohde, um, YouTube celebrity and ultimate prankster. Thanks a lot for spending some time with us, bud. Check out my movie, Netflix, natural born pranksters. Na- is that, that's it. Natural born pranksters on Netflix. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Check that out too. Thanks, Dan.